The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. So they said to Jesus, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So they said to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to Jesus, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So down at Sacred Heart um, this weekend, our deacon was assigned to preach, and I thought, well, this is wonderful. I got the week off. I don't have to prepare a homily. And then Father Miguel contacts me and calls me or texts me or something and says, can you take this, the 6 p.m. Mass? And I said, is there someone preaching besides me? And he says, nope. So anyway, you get a homily. I have to prepare a homily anyway. So here you are. Here we are. So, you know, uh, it's kind of important, I think, uh, as we go through these these readings from the Gospel of John about the bread of life. We've got like five weeks of this. We're in week two or three. I think it's week two. And um, it's kind of important to pay attention to the first reading, the reading from the book of Exodus, because it kind of sets the stage for what happens in the Gospel of John. You know, the Gospel of John in itself is kind of a little bit vague, and it's kind of very theoretical, and it's Jesus kind of speaking about being the bread of life and all of that. But it doesn't really grab us until we hear again and kind of re retell the story of how those Hebrews back in the desert became such a grumbling, whining lot that even when they're provided bread from heaven, they still got to kind of complain about it. So if you remember the story, you know, Moses is called forth by God to lead his long-suffering people out of the slavery of Egypt. There they've been working on building pyramids and sphinxes and God knows what, and it's terrible. They were slave labor and the marine old Pharaoh and all of Pharaoh's men and all of his chariots and charioteers are oppressing them and it's a terrible life. It's awful. And then 
finally Moses rises up and he opposes Pharaoh and he has the 10 plagues and finally the people get to leave the slavery of Egypt and go out into, well, eventually the promised land, but not before, not before they've got to spend 40 years wandering in the desert of Sinai. Well, you know, this isn't exactly paradise, the land of milk and honey, this desert that they find themselves in. And what happens in deserts? There's very little food and there's very little water. So the people almost immediately start complaining to Moses, you know, oh, poor us, we're out here in this terrible desert and we don't have enough to eat and we're all losing weight and we don't have enough to drink and it's terrible out here and there's, it's, it was better, we were better off in, we were better off back in Egypt with slaves. At least we had something to eat and drink there. And Moses, of course, is tearing his hair out as these people are whining to him and grumbling and complaining. And so God hears all of this and he's paying attention. And because he's God and because he loves these people and because he started this whole thing by leading them out of the slavery of Egypt, he, as we hear in the book of Exodus this evening, he provides them exactly what they ask for. So first of all, in the evening, he sends them grouse, or is the plural of grouse, grice, I don't know, grouse to eat. So they got protein. And in the morning, he gives them this sort of bread-like substance that they collect like dew. So bread, they got their carbohydrates, all they're missing is dessert. You know, so they're out there and they finally got this food and they're nourished. And eventually, of course, um, God gives them plenty of water and all this stuff. And they get exactly what they wanted. God provides for them. Well, they still grumble and they still whine because you know, they're human beings and that's what human beings do. But what they, you know, the grumbling and the whining and the complaining about how terrible this manna tastes and the grouse are tough and it's hard to eat them and blah, blah, blah. You know, as this story goes on, gets told over the centuries, you know, they kind of forget about the grumbling part and all they remember, happily so, you know, as the years go on and the centuries pass, is the part where God fed them and took care of them in the desert, the providence of God part. And that's really wonderful. Here we were, we were hungry, and God fed us. Here we, we were thirsty, and God gave us to drink. That's just wonderful. That's the kind of God we have, a God who is providential to us, his chosen people, because we're so wonderful. We're great people, you know? God loves us, especially among all the peoples on the face of the earth. And that's the story that goes down through the ages until we find the Jewish people in today's Gospel of John. And that's still where they're at. They're saying God was good to us because he fed us when we were hungry and he gave us to drink when we were thirsty. But even after all these centuries, what they're mostly thinking about is their stomachs. God fed us because we were hungry. Isn't that great? He gave us to drink because we were thirsty. God's wonderful. We had our bellies filled. That's wonderful, that's great, that's the kind of God we have. He feeds us when we're hungry. And they're not thinking spiritual stuff except for God being good to them, but the kind of hunger and thirst they're talking about is the bodily kind, you know, the stomach kind, the thirsty throat, the dry parched throat kind. That's what they're thinking about. 
And that's exactly what these people, this crowd of people are thinking about when they approach Jesus in, you know, in Capernaum. So they've just had, if you remember the story from last Sunday, this beautiful, beautiful moment where Jesus takes the bread and blesses it and feeds the 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread, a couple of fish. <coughs> and the people are all excited about it for precisely the same reason that the Hebrews thousand years before were excited about it. We were hungry and we got fed. We were thirsty. We had to drink. We got something to drink. <coughs> it's wonderful. And they're following Jesus and they say, we want to learn more. What is it? What is, you know, what's this all about? And Jesus says to him, okay, you know, you just got fed. Don't you understand what God is doing for you? <coughs> they're saying, yeah, God fed us just like he fed our ancestors in the desert. And that's wonderful. But who the heck are you anyway? Who, you know, what's your gig? What's your, what's your game here? You know, that was pretty cool, but you're not God. So, you know, are you one of the prophets? Are you like a really good prophet that you can do this sort of, this sort of trick for us and take five loaves and feed 5,000 people? And this is where Jesus gets really serious with them and says, you're misunderstanding the whole thing. You're not getting it, as usual. You're not understanding what God does for us, who God is, what kind of God we're dealing with here. God isn't good just because he feeds you bodily. He's not gracious and providential and wonderful and worthy of praise because you were hungry in your guts and he gave you something to eat, whether it was a thousand years ago in the desert of Sinai or whether it was last Sunday in the, across the lake on the Sea of Galilee. What God really does for us is feed our deeper hungers, not the hunger of the belly, but the hunger of the heart, the hunger of the spirit, the hunger of our poor souls. What is it we really hunger for and thirst for in life? It's not just food and drink. It's not just manna. It's not just grouse. It's not just, you know, Sprite or Coca-Cola or beer or something. It's something far deeper than that. And that's what God does for us. That's what God has been trying to do for you for all these centuries, is to feed your heart, to feed your spirit, to feed your very soul. You know, to take the anxieties and the troubles and the trials and the tribulations of life and to make them meaningful, to make them something that is gracious and good, something that leads us to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey that's not milk and honey, but is grace and peace and justice and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. That's the gift that God really gives us. That's the real bread from heaven, the real drink, that God gives us in our need, in our hunger and our thirst of spirit and heart and soul. He's saying, wake up, you people. 
what God is, who God is, what God does for us. Whether it was 1,000, 1,500 years ago in Sinai or last Sunday on the other side of the lake, is to give us the bread of life, to give us the cup of salvation, to give us peace and graciousness and goodness and joy and mercy. That's what God gives to us. That's what feeds our hearts. That's what makes us a people. That's what makes us Israel. That's what makes us eventually a church. And then Jesus goes even one step further. He tells them, I am the bread of life. In John's Gospel, whenever Jesus says, I am, he's saying, I am who am. He's using the name of God given by God to Moses so many centuries before for himself. Whenever Jesus says, I am, He's saying, I am in God, of God, through God, the gift of God, God. I am the bread that feeds you, the bread that feeds your heart, the bread that feeds your soul, the bread that feeds and nourishes and gives life to your spirits. Me, the carpenter from Nazareth, but also the very Son of God. I am the bread of life. And he who eats this bread and believes in me will have life, eternal life, life without end, the life that fills us with joy, the life that fills us with grace, the life that allows us to love the unlovable, the life that allows us to forgive the unforgivable, the life that allows us to conquer even death itself. I am the bread of life, said Jesus to that crowd 2,000 years ago, even as he says it to us this evening, with all of our hungers and our thirsts, and not the kind of our bellies or our throats, the kinds of our hearts, our souls, our spirits. I am the bread of life, and those who believe in me will have eternal life. Amen.